we'll begin reading in uh, verse number 7. So she's fled from Sarah. And you know, you might think, well, now this woman doesn't, doesn't deserve this. Well, I tell you, because of Abraham, the Lord's going to pass by her way. He's going to make a great nation out of Ishmael. It's not going to be the spiritual nation of Israel. It's not going to be the lineage of Isaac. But he's going to make a great nation out of Ishmael. So verse number 7, Genesis 16, verse number 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said unto her, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence cometh thou, and whither thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return unto thy mistress, submit thyself unto her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceeding, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thine affliction. You know, it seems as though time after time after time, when the angel of the Lord shows up, is in a time of great crisis, a time of, uh, of great trial, or a time, the Word of God says right here, a time of affliction. Because the Lord hath heard thine affliction. The word means depression, misery, trouble. So what, what, what's wrong? Well, what's wrong is Hagar is pregnant with Abraham's son. But in that, there's a pride grown up in her heart. And when that happened, Sarah rose up against her. And you know, she, Sarah blamed it on Abraham, but Abraham said, she's in your hand, you do with her as you see fit. And I, I believe if it wasn't for the angel of the Lord, you know, Hagar would have been put away and no reconciliation. She would have been put away and there she would have been out, cast out of Abraham's house, cast away from Sarah. But the angel of the Lord, in a time of affliction, in the time of trouble, God comes by and you might say, well, who is the angel of the Lord? Well, I believe he says it plainly in the book of Daniel. He says, the fourth man in the fire was likened unto the Son of God. He went on to say, the angel of the Lord. So what are we seeing here? I believe we're seeing a pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're seeing the presence of Christ come and bring to pass in a time of great affliction. Go with me just a little farther in the book of Genesis, chapter 21. Same woman. And here we've come. Paul Hayden and I was looking at this this morning. So in this Scripture, Isaac has been born. Sarah says, get rid of this bondwoman and her son. They're not going to be an inheritor with my son Isaac. 
So Abraham gives Hagar a bottle of water and a loaf of bread and sends them away into the wilderness. And you know what's going to happen? The best we can see, looking at it with a natural eye, Hagar and Ishmael are going to die. That, that's the end result of what's going to happen looking at it through the natural eye. But what happens there? I tell you, there's a cry going up. There is affliction there. There is trouble. There is misery. There's depression. There is a weeping. There's a weeping that comes from Hagar. There is a cry coming from the lad, from, from Abraham's son. And, and what's the result of that cry? By the Word of God. The Word says to us in uh, Genesis chapter number 21, verse 16, She went and set her down over against him a good way off, as it was a bow shot. And she said, Let me not see the death of the child. What's in her mind? Her son's going to die. Isn't that that the way that it is? I, I, I tell you, that is when the Lord shows up. When we're in crisis, when we're in trial, when we're in great tribulation, that is when the Lord... You know, man... How much do you think people live by faith today? Honestly. Honestly. That's right. Vaughn said there's a bank account. There's a bank account. There's plan B, plan C, plan D. There's insurance. There's this government help and that government help and this doctor and that doctor. I tell you, there's none of that here. God brings man to a place that the only hope and help that there is is that the Lord would show up. Hagar is in that place and her son Ishmael is in that place. And when we come to that place, you know, unless we get to that place, is there any glory for God? I tell you who gets the glory over and over and over again. It's some man that gets the glory. The doctor gets the glory. Uh, Somebody rescued somebody. Somebody made the right deal, made the right decision. There's no decision to be made here. Hagar is a bow shot away from her son. He's under a bush or a shrub over here, and she's expecting him to die. But the Word of God says this. And, and, And verse number 17, "...and God heard the voice of the lad." And the angel of God called Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad. Do you remember what I just read you? She forgot what God said in chapter 16. Isn't that man, isn't that man to forget what God said? I mean, I'm looking at the situation and here's my boy over here under a bush and the sun is bearing down. We've drunk all the water that's in the bottle. The bread is gone. My son is going to die. And I have forgotten that God said I'm going to raise out of him a great nation, a multitude of people. And friend, the angel of the Lord is going to show up and I believe that, that, that in a sense he's going to remind Hagar of what he said. You know, isn't it wonderful? 
I think this is a wonderful thing, that when I forget, God's given me a book of remembrance. God has given me a book that I can go back to and I can read His promise. You know what I see? It looks like it's hopeless. It looks like that the lad is going to die. It looks like that Hagar's going to die. But the Word of God says this, And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called unto Hagar out of heaven. And said, What aileth thee, Hagar? What have you need of? What do you stand in need of? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thy hand, for I will make of him a great nation. God said that same thing over in chapter number 16. I realize this. It's probably been 16 years when Ishmael was 13, Isaac was born. He told her that before Ishmael was ever born, okay? Isaac is weaned. I don't know what that age is. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three, maybe it's four years old, plus 13. Sixteen years since she's heard that. She needs to be reminded, doesn't she? We need a reminder ever now and then that God Almighty cannot change, that God Almighty is true to His Word, that the Lord... The, Hagar, what do you need? What do you need, Hagar? I'm going to... You go, go get the lad. Hold him, for I will make of him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the a bottle with water and gave to the lad. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelled in the wilderness and became an archer. You know who's, who's bringing this to pass? The angel of the Lord is. The angel of the Lord is the one working in these situations that are dire, that are hopeless, that looks like the bottoms fell out, that looks like there's just absolutely no hope whatsoever. We're going down, and my son's going to die, and I'm going to die here in the wilderness, and God has forgotten about us. No. No, God's not forgot. God's not forgot His promise. God's not forgot... I tell you, the only thing I believe that God forgets is He chooses to forget our sin. Look with me in chapter 22. Now you talk about... A, these, are, these are dark places, folks. These are, these are places of great affliction, great trouble, great misery. Can you imagine... Just imagine with me now the misery that is in Hagar's mind. Imagine the depression and the misery that is there when she thinks that her son, that she has loved for 14, 15, 16, 17 years of her life, that she, I mean, she got a bow shot away where she couldn't see him struggling in his last breath. God Almighty, there is the Lord's opportunity. Abraham is going up to Mount Moriah. Abraham is going to the top of the mount. And he told his servants before he ever left, he said, you tarry here. The lad and I are going up there to worship. And we'll be back. And by the Word of God, 
Uh, what, what a trial that this must be in. What a, what a great place of trouble, a place of misery, a place of heartbreak. And you know, I realize this. You can say, well, Abraham believed God. I do believe that he believed God. But let me ask you this. What do you think was going on in the mind of Abraham when he had the knife drawn back? When the knife was drawn back in the hand, and, and you know, the first words in this chapter are these. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. God's going to test him. Are you going to be tested? I tell you, if you're a child of God, you're going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested. It really is. If your faith is never tested, do you really know what you have? Has it ever really been tested? Has it been put to the test? When Abraham draws back the knife and is ready to plunge it in to his son, what happens? I tell you, the angel of the Lord showed up. This is what the Bible says, 22, verse number 10. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. I mean, how close are we? How close are we to death? How close are we to all hope being gone? How close would you say that Abraham is to plunging a knife into his son that he loves with all of his heart. Would you say within seconds? Could it be within a second? Why does God always do us like this? Why does God wait till the fourth watch of the night to show up? They're out there toiling, rowing, torment, sorrow, anguish. Uh, the wind is contrary. They're in the, it's in their face uh, all night long. And they've barely got halfway across the sea. What does God do? I tell you what He does. He waits till there's no hope. He waits till the, uh, it looks like that it's over. He waits until you and I are absolutely without any hope of rescuing ourselves, of any hope of things turning our way by our doings. He is waiting to where you and I can see it was the hand of the Lord. He's within a second or two of plunging the knife into His Son. Can you imagine the misery, the turmoil, the anguish, the pain that Abraham would have, would have went through had that knife went into his son? That he would see his son? I mean, there's going to be a bodily reaction, isn't there? Isn't there going to be a bodily, physical reaction to a knife of being plunged into the heart of His only begotten Son, of His Son of promise, of His Son of old age? Has God saved Him from misery and turmoil and anguish? He has saved Him at the last second. The angel of the Lord. Now... I'd like for you to think on this. Called out of heaven. 
Did he hear? He heard. Can you and I hear? Sometimes all the noise of this world and the noise of the wind, we cannot hear the angel of the Lord. But know this, God help us. I mean this. I mean this spiritually. God help us to keep our ear tuned and to know what it is to hear the voice of the Lord. Know what it is to hear the angel of the Lord. Know what it is to hear a word from God and keep our ear tuned in spite of the wind, in spite of all the howling, in spite of the cries of the crowd, in spite of the cries of the flesh. God help us that our ear would be tuned and be listening for and listening for a word from the Lord. He heard. The Bible says this. The Bible said, And Abraham stretched forth his knife, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. What kind of voice was this? Out of heaven... To come to the ear of a man. Was this more than a natural call? Was this more than a call that come to the natural ear? Was there something that came to the heart of Abraham? And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. He said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. Verse number 1, the test. Abraham is, is given a test. Abraham is going through a test. Will you and I, I told Paul Hayden this morning, we're going to be tested. God is going to test us. And listen... I'm the one going to be tested. God's given the test. Am I going to pass or am I going to fail? Abraham passed the test. Abraham said, God, I love you and I'm going to obey you no matter what you call for, no matter what you do. And God, I'm going to come right down. And the honest to God truth is, according to what Paul wrote in Hebrews, Abraham had already resigned in his mind and in his heart that if he slew his son Isaac, God was able to raise him from the dead because he believed that God was going to raise a family and bring forth the Lord Jesus Christ out of Isaac. He believed that even if he killed him, God was going to raise him from the dead. Abraham, it come down to the wire, but you passed the test. What's the test? I know that thou fearest God, seeing... I don't believe there's a fear of quaking, of beating, of being destroyed. There's a fear and there's a quaking and there is a reverence for God. There is a reverence for God that He is in control and He can do whatever He will, whenever He will, with whomever He will. And God, I believe You, I believe Your Word, seeing that Thou hast not withheld Thy Son, Thine only Son, from me. Isn't it amazing now that, that Abraham's got another son named Ishmael we read about and God said, you've not withheld thine only son. Ishmael's been sent away, hadn't he? This is a son of promise. 
This is a son that God promised Abraham at 75 years old. And 25 years later, 24 years later, He reminded him that He was still going to give him a son. God's not going to renege. God's not going to back up. And here is Abraham put to the test. And the Bible said, I know he's seen that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lift up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Was that God's plan all along? Of course it was. Did Abraham know that? He did not. He did not know that. He followed God to the T. He followed God to the last second. He followed God and was obedient unto God to the very, I believe, within one or two seconds of bringing the death of his own son. Abraham followed God and the angel, the Lord, showed up right on time. You know, Martha, or Mary, Martha, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. You're a little late. Lord, you've showed up a little bit late. My brother died, and you could have done something about it. He's been in the tomb for four days. Oh, thank God for the opportunity. I'm glad, Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't here. I'm glad that I wasn't here that you might be able to see uh, that I, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whatever I ask of God, He granted. He always heareth me. And if you, if you can believe and trust, I tell you what you can do, you can see the glory of God. Is the Lord late? He's never late. Is He late in, in, in Genesis chapter number 22? God's not late. The angel of the Lord's not late. You know who this is written for? For me. For you. That we can see that other people have gone through trials and tribulation and testing. And how did they make it? I tell you how they made it. They made it in spite of what they saw. They made it in spite of what the flesh said. They made it in spite, a friend, of all, all that is against them in the mind, in the flesh, in the nature of the world. They made it in spite of all of that by believing and trusting God. And the angel of the Lord showed up. He's not finished. Listen a little farther. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. It is as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. That word mount means the height. I believe this is the real, I believe this is the real thing that we need to gather from that. In the very height of tribulation. In the very height of temptation. In the greatest test, would you say that there's ever been any greater test for Abraham than this test right here? In the height of God's testing, He showed me. He provided. He showed up. He delivered in the height 
This is what the Bible said. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. What did Abraham see? I tell you, by the angel of the Lord, Abraham held his arm still and looked behind him, and there was the provision of God. In the height of temptation, in the height of trial, in the height of our testing, in the height, I mean, in the utmost, uh, there could be nothing of any greater height. I don't believe I don't believe that Hagar had any greater trial, any greater test than that day that she was uh, out there with her son. The water was gone. The bread was gone. She was expecting him to die, and she cried, and Ishmael cried and God heard and the angel of the Lord came out. I'm not talking about I can fix it. I'm not talking about we can fix it. I'm talking about a place where only God can remedy the situation. And Abraham names this place Jehovah Jireh. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. In the height of trial, in the height of tribulation, in the height of affliction, God shall provide and you will see what God is going to do. What did they see, the fourth watch of the night? Who was walking on the water? Could there be any greater sight than to see the Lord Jesus Christ walking towards your swamped ship in the middle of the sea, the wind blowing in your face, could there be any more beautiful sight than to see Him walking towards you? The wind's in their face, but it's on His back. Verse number 15 And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Not only is he going to deliver Isaac, and I believe when he delivers Isaac, he's delivering Abraham. I I believe Isaac is in submission to what Abraham wants to do. But he's delivering Isaac and Abraham. Abraham is delivered from affliction. Abraham is delivered from misery. Abraham is delivered from a heartbreak. Isaac is delivered from the sword. And here the angel says to Abraham, Out of heaven, I myself, I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thee, and thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the sea, ashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. You know what the Lord said? I'm not just going to spare him. I'm going to make a great nation out of him as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the sea. This through this son Isaac. Through this son Isaac is coming the Lord Jesus Christ. And I came through Him. And if you're saved, you came through Him. And that great number that no man could number that John saw, you know how all those came? All of those came through Christ. All of those came through Isaac. All of those came through Abraham. The angel of the Lord. How wonderful that He shows up. Read with me again. Let's... Let's, let's go a little farther in Genesis. 
chapter number 32. Here is Jacob. I realize a familiar story, but listen. Listen to what the Bible says. So the Bible says that Jacob sent out servants, chapter 32, sent out servants to Ishmael and said, Tell my, sir, tell my Lord uh, uh, Esau that his servant Jacob is coming. Verse number 6, 32, 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came, we came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee with 400 men with him. My, my, I wonder who sent a message like that. I mean, wouldn't you have liked to have got a message that Esau sent back and said, Jacob, Esau said he's coming with open arms. He is so thrilled that you're coming to meet him. That wasn't a message he got. You know what kind of message he got? He got a message that looked hopeless. He got a message that looked like it was all over. He got a message that looked like his sons and his daughters and his wives and his flocks was all going to be destroyed. He got a message that brought him to fear. He got a message that looked like Jacob is going to be destroyed. God brought that message. Then Jacob, verse 7, was greatly afraid and distressed. There's that word again. There's that affliction. There's that trouble. There's that misery. There's that depression. You talk about a man that's in depression, a man that's in misery, a man that's distressed, a man that's wanting to pull his hair out, a man that says, God, what am I going to do? What is he going to do? I tell you what he's going to do. He's going to do like he's always done. He's going to devise a plan. And this is a hard thing to say, but it's true. He's going to send the least loved out first. You might say, well, now I don't believe that. Well, all you got to do is read your Bible and you can see it. He's going to, see the, he's going to send the handmaids and their children out first to meet Esau. Then he's going to send the other handmaid and her children. Then he's going to send Leah and her children. Then he's going to send Rebecca. He's got a plan, doesn't he? He's going to send flocks and herds and a big, big present. He's going to satisfy. He's going to, he's going to buy Esau off. That's his plan. So the Word of God said He sent 200 goats, 20 he goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, milk kind. He sends all of this. Asses, their foals. Verse number 20. And say ye moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him. I will appease him with the present that goeth before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Peradventure, he will accept of me. 
Isn't that what man's doing? Isn't man always working this way? I, I, I believe if we do this right here, we can get this worked out. I tell you, God's going to get rid of all of that mess. Jacob's going to send everybody up, send everybody away. The present went over him, verse number 21, and he himself lodged that night in the company. And he rose up that night and took his two wives, his two hand, women servants, and his eleven sons and passed over the four Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that that he had. And Jacob was left alone. That's where I'll come to. That's where you'll come to in our trial. That's where Abraham came to in his trial. That's where Hagar came to in her trial. That is exactly where Jacob is going to come to in his trial. We're going to come to a place that there's nobody there to help. There's nobody there to discuss it with. There's nobody there to reason with. There's nobody there to ask their opinion. Or what do you think? Or do you think I've done enough? Or I've not done this? Or what should I do? Jacob is alone. You and I are going to be left alone to wrestle with the angel of the Lord. That's where Jacob is at. And in his mind, there's 400 men coming with Esau. The last word he's ever heard from Esau is, the next time I see you, I'll kill you. That's what he's got. That's what's on his heart. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. So here's Jacob wrestling. And you know, we, we don't really see it in this Scripture, but in the book of Hosea, chapter number 12, we can see it. Hosea chapter seven or 12, the Bible says in verse number 3 about Jacob, He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in, the, in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord, is his memorial." Who is Jacob wrestling with? He's wrestling with the angel of the Lord. He's wrestling with the Lord. What's going to happen? I tell you what's going to happen. Jacob is going to have to come clean. Jacob is going to have to admit he's a supplanter. Jacob's going to have to admit he's a trickster. Jacob is going to have to come to grips with the fact that the only hope he has got is that God would intervene for him. And God is going to touch Jacob. And God is going to change his name and change his walk because that very night Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. Jacob wrestled with God and God wrestled out of Jacob. You might not see it that way. You may think that, that Jacob has power over God. I tell you that's just that you and I are able to look at it in human understanding. Jacob wrestled with God but God wrestled out of Jacob what he really was. I'll tell you what he was. He was a helpless trickster. In fear of his life, 
in fear of the life of his children and in fear of the life of all that he had. And the angel of the Lord showed up. Did that change the whole situation? <laughs> of course it did. When he met Esau the next day, what happened? They fell around one another's neck. That's what happened. Go with me a little farther. Go with me to Psalms. Psalms. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go with me to First Chronicles. First Chronicles. David has... This is chapter 20. David has numbered the people and God has sent out His angel to kill the people. And there is a great pestilence upon Israel. Verse number 14. First Chronicles 21.14 70,000 men have been destroyed. And God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And he was destroying. He beheld and repented him of the evil. And he said, it is enough. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, having a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Isn't that something? God has killed 70,000 men and God has got an angel with a sword drawn over Jerusalem, over the city of David, over the city of God, and God shows David the angel of the Lord. Is He going to give him any instruction? Thank God He is. Go up to the threshing floor of Hornan and build an altar. How close with death? I tell you, it's right on the brink. This is the way God works. The angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that he should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Isn't that something? Psalm chapter number 34. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh my, you know who the humble are? The humble are those that have no means. The humble are not the great kings. The humble are not those that have another way out. The humble are not those that have another exit. I tell you who the humble are. The humble are those that have their dependence upon the Lord and there's no other place to look. I will bless the Lord at all times. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name. I sought the Lord and He heard me, delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that fear Him and delivereth them. I tell you something, folks. There's a promise that you and I can count on. Let us be humble. Let us be obedient. Let us follow the Lord. Let us not turn aside to what I think and what you think. Let us not lean to our own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. He'll bring the path. God help us today to give praise unto the Lord no matter what the situation is. I tell you that verse. Look at that verse one more time. The Bible 
Bible says in verse number 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them. Thank God I tell you this. Before trouble comes, He'll be awakened. Before death comes, He'll be awakened. He's camped right around us. And I tell you, He's got a keen ear. I know what's going on. But know this. Many be the time we're down to the last minute. We're down to the last straw. We're down to no other means. Go with me to Daniel. I'll try not to be much longer. Very familiar Scripture in Daniel. Favorite Scripture. Let's look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego first. Nebuchadnezzar said this, they've not bowed. They're not going to bow. They're not careful to answer. And Nebuchadnezzar said in verse number 15, Now if you be ready, when you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I've made, well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast into the same hour, into the midst of the burning fiery furnace, And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? We're living in a world today, folks, that does not know the God that we say we know. Isn't that true? I know people say they know God. They don't a bit more know God than a man in the moon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to put that God on display. But it's going to be in the fire. It's going to be in one of the greatest trials that's recorded in the Bible. What a a trial that this must be for these men. Know this, we're not careful to answer thee. Our God is able to deliver you, to deliver us, if He wants to. And if He doesn't deliver us, know this, we're still not going to bow. That's where I need to come to. I need to come to this. God's able to deliver me. And whether He delivers me or He doesn't, I'm not going to bow to this world. I'm not going to bow to your image. You know what it's going to do? It's going to infuriate Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is going to heat up the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been heated before. And he's going to command the greatest men, the, white, the, uh, the strongest men, uh, they're bound in their hosen, they're bound in their turban, they're bound in their coats, and they're going to take them up and throw them in. And what's going to happen? I tell you what's going to happen. Uh, those men that cast them into the fiery furnace, they're going to be burnt up. They're going to be loose to their bonds. They're going to be in the midst of the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to be looking in. And you know what he's going to see? He's going to see that God that's able to deliver. He's going to see that God who is able. He's going to see that God who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No! He's going to see that God when they're in that fire and in the greatest trial. The angel of the Lord's going to show up. <coughs> you know, I can look and I can see that there's people that have no <coughs> concept of what I'm talking about. Your faith has never been tried. If you're a child of God, your faith is going to be tried. 
I should check and see if I have genuine faith. I'm not saying that to be ugly. I'm saying if you're never tested, you don't belong to Him. I'm saying if there's no trials, you don't belong to Him. I'm saying that He will try your faith. I'm saying that He is going to test you. And if there are no tests, listen, I'm not talking about some physical thing. I'm talking about standing for God. I'm talking about obeying God. I'm talking about walking out in faith with God. That's what I'm talking about. The Bible said that they cast them in. The king rose up in haste, verse 24, and was astonished. Astonished. Rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, (coughs) Did not we cast three men bound in the furnace? In the midst of the fire, they answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. What happened in the trial? They lost their bonds. Isn't that wonderful? Those that were binding him, those that had him bound, those that threw him in the fire, they're gone. The bonds that were on them, they're gone. But guess what? He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the furnace, the burning fiery furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, is He convinced? He's already convinced. They've not even come out of the fire yet, and He's already convinced. They're walking in the midst of the fire. The Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate angel of the Lord is there with them. And I tell you this, friend, Nebuchadnezzar is a believer right now in the God that's able to deliver and deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar says, Come forth, men. They came forth out of the midst of fire, the princes. You know who's looking? Oh, it is it's the elite. It's the elite unbelievers. It's the king's right-hand man that says, Oh, I think that's great. Did you build a 90-foot or 180-foot statue of yourself? Let's bow down and worship it. That's who's seeing The greatest unbelievers, the mockers, the scoffers, those that say there's no way they're going to go down, they're going to go down and defeat, it's going to come to naught. That's who's seeing. The princes, governors, captains, kings, counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power. How in the world could it be that a fire has no power over a body? And no power, and the hair of their head was not singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. You know, I don't know how Greg Fowler does, but in the morning before I go and take a shower, I always go fill up the stove. I'd say Greg's just shaking his head, yes. I'd say before he gets ready to go to work, he goes outside, fills up the stove. I'm not in the fire. 
I'm on the outside of the fire. I'm on the outside of the door. But when I open the door, the smoke rolls out. And friend, you know where I hang my coat up? I, I, I can come into that room where I hang my coat up and it smells like smoke in there. These men have been in the midst of the fire. These men have been in there walking around in the fire. And there's not even a smell of smoke upon them. How in the world could that happen? You're going to give us the answer. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel... There he is. And delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Isn't that wonderful? Daniel's going to do the same thing, isn't he? Daniel is going to stand up for what's right. Daniel is going to go to to his chamber, his windows being opened toward heaven. And let me tell you this, friend. He didn't open his windows when the sentence was passed. He didn't open his windows when the trial come. His windows had been open all along. And when the trial come, he went right on with what he had been doing. And they came in and caught him praying. And they said, you're going to the lion's den, buddy. And the king, chapter 6, 6.17, And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with a signet of his lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now listen to the king. The king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. He had a bad night, didn't he? He was sorry for what he had done. Wonder what kind of night Daniel had. Then he passed the night. The morning came. He rose early in the morning, went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice, Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, Old Daniel, servant of the uh, of the most of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually? able to deliver thee from the lions. Then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me for as much as in him. Uh, before him innocence who was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Now, you reckon it's down to the last straw? He's going to throw those other men in and you know what they're going to do? They're going to have mastery. They're going to break their bones ere they reach the bottom of the pit. That's what the angel of the Lord can do. Just another time or two. Look with me in the book of, in the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter number 27. You know this scripture very well. They've been out on the sea. Third day out, they're tossing out. They're tossing out the tackling. The third day we cast out, this is 2719, we cast out the tackling with our own hands. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, 
All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. You know, by the Word of God, day number 14. 14 days. No sun, no moon, no direction, nothing that we can see, nothing that we can uh, uh, lay our eyes on, nothing to sound off of. And Paul says, after a long abstinence, he says this, for there stood by me, I exhort you to be of good cheer, verse 22, for there shall not be the loss of any man of life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thus must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God have given thee all them that sail with thee. All hope was taken away. Fourteen days and nights. No sun, no moon, no stars. I'll remind you one more scripture in the book of 2 Timothy. Paul said, Timothy, come to me quickly. Come to me, Timothy, as quickly as you can. All have forsaken me. Demas has forsaken me. Loving the world. Crescens to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Timothy, bring the cloak that I left at Troas. 2 Timothy 4.13 And when thou come, bring with thee the books, but especially the parchments. Can you imagine the shape this man is in? Everybody's left him. He says to Timothy, At my first answer, verse 16, No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid their dear charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Now how did the Lord stand with Paul? I believe through the Holy Spirit, the Lord stood with Paul. And listen, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. The presence of God was with him. That by me the preaching might be fully known. God's purpose is going to be fulfilled that all the Gentiles might hear I was delivered. Here's the power of God to deliver out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord shall deliver me. I'm going to be preserved. Every evil work will preserve me unto His heavenly kingdom to be glory forever and ever. Praise unto God. I tell you something, friend. The angel of the Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to bring about by His Spirit, by His presence, by His power, His purpose, and praise unto His blessed name for delivering us at the last minute. The angel of the Lord. All through the Old Testament, the pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus. He said, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you one. I'm going to send you one just like me to be with you always, even until the end of the world. God help us not to give up, not to throw in the towel, not to think there's no hope, but to think this is God's opportunity. Can you see that?